0: Hello, everyone, uh, welcome to our Good Friday service today. It's great to be able to be with you. My name is uh, John Besson, I'm one of the pastors at Connect Church here in Cata. Today, our focus is going to be on the crucifixion. And uh, as we do so, there are three things that I would like to, uh, for us to do together as we share in the service. Number one, we're going to read together from Mark's gospel and the account that he gives of the crucifixion of Jesus. After that, we're going to have a look at the words that Jesus spoke to his disciples around that last supper meal, when he said to them, whenever you break bread like this, and whenever you drink this cup, I want you to remember me and the significance of those words that he spoke to them. And then lastly, we're going to share a communion meal together. Terry, my wife, and I are going to lead you as we have communion together. And I trust that you've got some bread and you've got some juice So that we can share this very important meal that every Christian is asked to use as a means of remembering Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. But let's begin by reading Mark's account of the crucifixion. And as we do so, let's ask the Holy Spirit to minister to us. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to make these words come alive in our hearts and to refresh our minds and to restore our souls as as we read together. So will you pray with me? Father, I want to thank you for this day when we remember his death, the death of Jesus, when we remember how in for our sakes, He was crucified when He took our sins upon His shoulders so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be free, and so that we could be saved. And Holy Spirit, I want to invite you this morning, as we read these words that were penned so many years ago, that that you will minister to our hearts, that, that there might just be a deep awareness again of the full extent of the love of God being demonstrated for each one of us, as Jesus died upon the cross. And I pray that you will do that in Jesus' name. Amen. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 15, the words will be on the screen and you can follow with me or you may like to just close your eyes and listen as I read this account for us of what happened the day that Jesus was crucified. Mark starts off by saying very early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders, the teachers of the law, and the whole Sanhedrin reached a decision. They bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. The chief priests accused him of many things. And so again, Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer? See how many things they're accusing you of. But Jesus still made no reply. And Pilate was amazed. Now, it was the custom at the feast to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and they asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Asked Pilate, knowing it was out of envy that the chief priests had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one that you call the king of the Jews? Pilate asked him. Crucify him, they shouted. Why? What crime has he committed, asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over. Be crucified. The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, that is the praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And then they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews! Again and again, they struck him on the head with a staff and they spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and they put his own clothes on him. And then they led him out to crucify him. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, When they crucified him, the written notice of the charge against him read the king of the Jews. They crucified two robbers with him, one on his right and the other one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Christ, this King of Israel, come down from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land until the third hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. Which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. One man ran and filled a sponge with wine vinegar. He put it on a stick and he offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Some women were standing, some women were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the Younger and of Joseph and Salome. In Galilee, these women had followed him and they had cared for his needs. Many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. It was the preparation day, that is, the day before the Sabbath. And so as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. When he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph and so Joseph bought some linen, took down the body and wrapped it in the linen and placed it in a tomb cut out of rock. And then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. Now the, the crucifixion begins to unfold as Jesus shares this Passover meal with his disciples. For them, for the disciples, this would have been a reminder of the Exodus when God set his people free from slavery and bondage in Egypt. It would remind them of the fact that their people were in bondage in Egypt for 400 years. This last supper meal would remind them of God's judgment against Pharaoh as he hardened his heart against him. It would have reminded them of the death of thousands of sheep that were unblemished, who were sacrificed the night before the Exodus. It would have reminded them that the way an act of faith, of putting blood on on the doorposts and the lintels, ensured that every one of their firstborn was saved. It would have reminded them of the day they were able to leave Egypt and slavery and bondage because God's heart had been moved by their plight. Let's look at Luke's gospel in chapter 22 as we read about this last supper meal that Jesus shared with his disciples. Luke chapter 22, and again you can follow on the screen as I read. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it? They asked. He replied, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large upper room, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and they found things just as Jesus had told them, And so they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table and he said to them I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover meal with you before I suffer for I tell you I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God after taking the cup he gave thanks and said take this and divide it among you for I tell you I'll not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Now, now Jesus uses this Passover meal as a way of revealing to his disciples that his crucifixion would be an even greater exodus event that is about to happen. This would be God's way of saving people from the bondage, the power and the control that sin exercises over them. You see, the communion meal is a reminder that our sinful attitudes and our sinful actions have serious consequences. Remember the words that Luke penned that we've been reading together in verse 19 of Luke 22. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You see, when Jesus was being crucified, he was being Judged by God in our place. That's what happened when he was crucified. He was being crucified in our place. He was being judged by God in our place. And that's where we see something of the seriousness of sin. And our, our sinful attitudes as Jesus is being crucified. Remember the words of the prophet Isaiah in chapter 53. Surely... He took up our infirmities and he carried our sorrows upon <coughs> me. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But here it is. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. When Adam and Eve sinned against God, they did something that's still affecting you and me today. What what seemed uh, like... Uh, As a harm, what seemed like a harmless act when they disobeyed God and they ate the fruit that was forbidden, is still playing itself out in our lives today. You see, communion is a reminder that sin is not as harmless as it appears to be. You see, that's the whole point of of what happened to Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3. When the serpent approached them and said to them, did God really say, if you eat of the fruit of that tree, you're going to die? What he was trying to do was to persuade them that sin is actually harmless, that sin doesn't have consequences. And sadly, they discovered the hard way that sin has very, very serious consequences. It's not as harmless as it appears to be. We see that As Jesus is being crucified on the cross, communion reminds us that all of us have been affected by sin. We remember those words that the Apostle John penned that have become so famous and so familiar to so many people. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And it's as we accept this truth that all of us have sinned, all of us have been affected, by what happened to Adam and Eve, this is what begins as we as we accept this truth. This is what opens our hearts to God's plan of salvation. But you know, the communion meal also reminds us that no amount of good deeds or good works will ever be able to turn back the clock. Remembering Jesus being crucified is the reminder that we all need that while God is a God of grace and a God of incredible mercy and kindness, he is also a God who will not and cannot let sin go unpunished. That's what we see when Jesus is crucified on the cross. And that's why Jesus died the way that he did. There we see the consequences of our sin. You know, it's, it's impossible to appreciate or even desire the salvation that comes through Jesus until each one of us realize, realizes what we're being saved from. But then communion, and we're going to be having communion a bit later, as I said. Communion is also a reminder that God wants us, you and me, to have a relationship with him, to know him, and to love him. When Paul was reminding the Corinthian believers about what it means to have a communion meal, he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. And it's here that we get a glimpse of God's love and compassion for people who are often not very lovely at all. They're a bit like, or maybe a lot like, the prodigal son who took his inheritance or asked for his inheritance from his dad before it was due. And then he went and did everything you could ever imagine. And then in desperation, when all the money was gone, when he was in the middle of a famine, when he was feeding pigs, the worst thing that could happen to a Jewish boy, in desperation, he comes back home and he finds a father waiting to welcome him home and back into the family. This is a wonderful story that so many people love until they find their lives entwined with somebody like this. And even though we might find it almost impossible to forgive people for some of the, the terrible things they've done. The point is that God does not. When Jesus is being crucified, He's being crucified for the things we've done, for our, our godless behavior and the way that we have carried on. That's why in John's Gospel we read those very, very famous words for God. So loved the world, the broken world, the sinless world, the ungodly world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Paul, when he was writing to the church in that that large city of Rome, put it like this. He said, you see, just at the right time. When we were still powerless, helpless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's out of a relationship with God that we get to experience his ongoing forgiveness. That we get to experience his peace that passes all understanding. And we get to experience his deep love for us. But then the communion meal is a reminder that we can be free. Just the other day, I was listening to the testimony of a young lady by the name of Jackie Hill Perry. And I'm going to put a photo of her uh, on the screen as I'm, as I'm speaking so that uh, maybe some of you would like to, to listen to her testimony. You can find it on YouTube. But it's quite an incredible testimony. But when I was listening to to what she said after God saved her, she said, the next day I found myself facing the same temptations that had been a large part of my life for years but this time she said I cared because I was aware of God for the first time and this time I wanted to honor him. See the communion meal reminds us that Jesus did not just come to stop us doing bad things. He came to deal with the reason We do those bad things in the first place. You know, it helps us to understand the cross. As we look at the cross, it helps us to understand that salvation is a supernatural work of God in people's lives. It's not just a change of outward behavior or going to church or doing things differently, it's God changing our hearts and changing us on the inside, a supernatural work of God. That's why in the communion meal, we are reminded that in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant, the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. The old covenant was based on the Old Testament laws that needed to be obeyed. The new covenant is all about God changing our hearts and our inner disposition. There's this inner change that takes place. That takes place because of the power of God and because of the death of Jesus on the cross. The writer of Hebrews puts it this way in chapter eight. But God found fault with the people and he said the time is coming declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with the forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant. And I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. And here it is. Here's this new covenant that Jesus wants his disciples to remember. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. And I will be their God and they will be my people and it's not that we will never face temptation again. In fact, we will continue to face temptation as believers and followers of Jesus. It's not as though we will never go through tough times, but it's that we've been transformed on the inside by what God has done in our lives. But then communion is also a reminder that there is only one way for our sin problem be dealt with. There's only one way for our sin problem to be dealt with. You see, communion reminds us that Jesus only had to die once, not over and over again. All other sacrifices were ceremonial in nature. That's why they were brought over and over again. But when Jesus died, something much bigger happened. His blood Satisfied heaven's requirements so that you and I would be able to have a relationship with God. Isn't that brilliant? But when Jesus died, something bigger was happening. This wasn't a, a, a lamb or this wasn't a, a, an unblemished lamb that was being sacrificed over and over again. Here is God's son, sinless son, who is dying on the cross for you and for me so, so that we could have a relationship with God. In Hebrews chapter 9, the writer puts it like this. He, Jesus, did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal salvation or redemption. The blood of goats and bulls that it's the death of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin. You know, this is so easy to believe when we have lived a life that, that we might call a pretty good life. But it's much, much harder to believe when we have done terrible things, when we look back in our past, things that we are ashamed of. And that's what amazed Paul, but because he had personally been instrumental in having Christians killed, jailed, and persecuted. And he saw that if God could forgive somebody like him, then anybody, anyone could be forgiven as well. When writing to his young disciple Timothy, He said in chapter 1 of 1 Timothy, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom he said, I'm the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, here it is again, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life this is the way one of the ways in which the enemy wants to pull us down and discourage us all the time by reminding us of our guilt and by reminding us of the shame of that guilt but i want to say this today it is written, and I'll use those words specifically because when Jesus faced the enemy, that's exactly what he said as well. It is written. It is written in 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and he will forgive us our sins. And purify us from all unrighteousness. Taking communion is to be a a regular reminder to all of us about what Jesus did on the cross when he was crucified. Hence his words, remember me when you break bread. Remember the new covenant when you drink the cup as we share communion together now let's remember him let's remember what he has done for us in a moment Terry and I will come together around our dining room table and we will lead you in this time of communion together and I trust that you have some bread and juices I said earlier But as we do so, let's remember what I've been talking about this morning. That our sinful attitudes and actions have serious consequences. Let's remember that God wants you and me to have a living relationship with him. That we will know him. That we will love him. Let's remember that we can be free. And let's remember that there is only one way for sin to be dealt with. It's not through good deeds, not through me trying to earn some merits with God. The only way that sin can be dealt with is through Jesus, the spotless Lamb of God, sinless man dying on a cross in your place and in my place, facing the full judgment of God for the sins of the world. Because truly, that's what was happening the day that he died. Let's take a moment. May I lead you in prayer as we close off and before we go into communion. Father, today, as we pause, as we remember, as we are reminded of what Jesus did for us when he freely gave himself, when he laid down his life, when he prayed that prayer saying, Father, not my will, but Your will be done. When he did that, we remember him dying for each one of us. Lord, we we remember all of our sin and what we've done. And we remember that all of that was placed upon him. And as he was dying, he was paying the price for me. And he was praying the, paying the price for each one of us so that we could be free, so that we could be forgiven, so that we might have eternal life. And God, I just want to thank you today on behalf of all of us this morning. Thank you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus. And thank you that today we can say we are free. We have been forgiven that our sins have been separated from you as far as the east is from the west because of your son, Jesus. And Lord, we receive that truth again today as we have been reminded of it. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Join with us now as we share communion together.